Hello, my name is Barbara, and this is Neuroscience, Amateur Hour. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed the spooky, spooky tale of the Salem witch trials and the hallucinogenic fungus that could have caused it all last week. I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves, eating well, fueling your brains and your bodies. I personally got a new mattress and I knew it would make a difference, but I did not know it would make this big a difference. I feel like a new person. Uh, Also, before I start, I wanted to put a poll out. Would you guys be interested if I got a guest or something like that, got someone else to chat about cool neuroscience topics with? If you'd be interested in that, let me know. Anyway, this week I wanted to do a topic that was a little more neuroscience-focused and technically complex, so I have decided to talk about itch. What is itch? Itch is an uncomfortable sensation that drives someone to scratch their skin or a part of their body to relieve the feeling of something underneath or on the skin. I think we've all felt this before, whether it's hives or poison ivy or a mosquito bite. You scratch, and for a glorious 30 seconds, the itch is gone, only to normally return with a vengeance. The desire to itch can be triggered by many things. Different kinds of infections, such as herpes or lice. Yikes, that's actually not an infection. But you know what I mean. And also, if you have young children and they have lice, I am so very sorry for you. (laughs) Uh, Also environmental factors like poison ivy or allergy-related hives. Skin disorders are a common culprit too, from dandruff to scabs on your body. Also, some medical disorders such as diabetes, thyroid illness, or even psychological disorders can be responsible as well. There are a great many causes of itch, and as a result, there are a great many mechanisms for transmitting that feeling to the brain. Many people have called itch a Rubik's Cube, where we slowly, one by one, start uncovering the pieces and then slide them around until we understand how it works in concert with other sensations. There's also the whole immune system side of itch and allergies and histamine responses, but I'm not going to talk about that in any detail. Fundamentally, there is just so much that we do not know about itch, so it's a very active area of research. If you are interested, I highly recommend checking out Professor Batista over at UC Berkeley for a literal fountain of information on this particular subject matter. So, in order to not go into a 45-minute deep dive into every single different kind of itch-related subject matter... I'm going to focus primarily on the kind of itch that's caused by environmental factors like poison ivy. It all starts with receptors in the skin. In order to sense the world around us, we have sensory neurons, which will transmit information about our environment from our peripheral nervous system to our brains. The sensation of touch is very, very cool in that it has specialized mechanoreceptors at the ends of the sensory neurons, which are specialized to detect different kinds of touch. They all have fun names, too. Uh, So Pacinian corpuscles are located deep within the skin and are responsible for perceiving vibration. Ruffini endings detect skin stretch. Meisner corpuscles are stimulated by skin motion. And Merkel cells, my personal favorite, are specialized to detect edges and points. 
I can't actually explain to you why Merkel cells are my favorite. I think it's because they look like little Venus flytraps in your body. In contrast, pain receptors, otherwise known as nociceptors, are just free nerve endings close to the skin. Just a simple and clean system responsible for recognizing the big dangerous thing that could cause you harm, like a fire or something like that. Itch is surprisingly similar. Most kinds of itch are conveyed through the activation of special nerves called pruriceptors, which are C-fibers. These are identical to those that convey pain, but are functionally distinct, as these bad boys only send the itch signal from the peripheral nervous system to the brain. We know this because for many, many years, researchers have taken suspecting and probably very well-paid research subjects, sometimes themselves, and various model organisms, and administered histamine and cowhage. Histamine is released from cells in the body when the body comes in contact with an allergen like pollen, and it's very widely used to study itch. Cowhage, otherwise known as velvet bean, which is a cool band name, I claim it, is a plant that mimics the symptoms of chronic itch and produces a more intense sensation than histamine. But let's get back to those C-fibers. C-fibers are unmyelinated, unlike most other fibers in the nervous system meaning that they don't have that protective sheath around them. That sheath serves multiple purposes, but arguably the most important one is to help signals pass down the axon quickly and efficiently. Because these axons are unmyelinated, the signals are much slower, going at a rate of only 2 meters per second. These C-fibers connect onto secondary neurons in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord which in turn sends signals along the very aptly named spinothalamic tract to the thalamus in the brain. The thalamus, a vital relay center, in turn sends signal to the somatosensory cortex, the part of the brain responsible for processing sensory information, to the amygdala and to the insular cortex, just to name a few brain regions. It makes sense why this signal would be sent to the somatosensory cortex. It would probably be super valuable to localize where the itchy thing is on your body. The amygdala, which we know is kind of like the fear mediation center of the brain, might be responsible for mediating the stressful character of itch stimulations. Things like poison ivy and mosquito bites are definitely cause for concern. And the insular cortex. The insular cortex is interesting. I found this really funny paper, actually a great paper, Uh, called A Tale of Two Itches, which I have cited in the show notes if you're curious. It discusses why the involvement of the insular cortex is so noteworthy in the processing of itch. We know that the insular cortex is involved in high-level cognitive processing, attention, and formation of addictive behaviors. This makes sense, as it would probably be important to, you know, pay attention and understand the thing that would be causing the itch. It's also thought that the insula plays a role in the evaluation of itch intensity and can reflect the urge to scratch in the given circumstance. But what about the formation of addictive behaviors? The itch-scratch cycle has been known to display characteristics of addictive behavior, and both itch and scratch behavior and various types of addiction, including recreational drug use, were shown to share common sensory mechanisms, specifically our old friend, the reward system. But the major question researchers have been focusing on is not whether itch and addiction are related, but whether itch and pain are related. 
There are a number of clear similarities between the two. We know that both itch and pain travel up those unmyelinated C fibers from the peripheral nervous system to the brain, as well as other fibers not mentioned in today's episode. Fascinatingly, in the human skin, both pain and itch can be stimulated by the same stimulus, be it mechanical or chemical or electrical, with stimuli at low intensities producing itch and at higher intensities, pain. But the responses are different. One induces scratching and the other withdrawal from the stimulus. And if you've ever gotten a mosquito bite and you've pressed down so hard on it that it starts hurting, you know that it makes the itch go away, or even the act of scratching your body. I want you to try scratching your body on a part of it where it isn't itchy. It kind of hurts, doesn't it? And that's because scratching is actually inducing low levels of pain to stop the sensation of itchiness. So if pain makes itch go away, how are these two sensory pathways related? At first, people thought that itch wasn't an independent sensory modality. It was just a quality of pain, because light stimulation of pain points result in itchy sensations. But that's not true for everything. There are tons of pain stimuli that don't cause itching. And if you ever take opioids, it can suppress pain but stimulate itch. That's weird, right? That's really weird. These contradictory findings led to the development of two theories, pattern and specificity. The older pattern theory postulates that itch is caused by a specific pattern of input to pain receptors. In contrast, the specificity theory implies that there are specific neurons that recognize itch and a specific pathway that transmits the sensation to the brain. Kind of like a labeled line. If the specificity theory is true, how do we reconcile the idea that pain can stop the feeling of itchiness? Some researchers propose that when stimulated, the pain pathway could independently inhibit the itch pathway. And as more and more findings come out, the closer the scientific world begins to lean towards the specificity theory. Now, this is a little simplified, in part because the work that's being conducted in this area is still very much in progress. There's, you know, there's papers coming out every single day. But also because I personally don't have a great understanding of itch and pain. This is very far outside of my field. And personally, it's not something that I find a particularly fascinating scientific question. But that's just me. You could find it amazing and incredible and wonderful and... I highly recommend just like going out and doing your own research and having a grand time. But it's, it's just not for me. But it is a really, really important question to investigate. Itch is a sensation that has evolved to protect you from potentially dangerous things like mosquitoes. But it can, at times, outlive its use- usefulness, resulting in painful disorders like chronic itch. So it's important to study it, and people are doing that and everybody's having fun. (laughs) But that is a bite-sized look at the neuroscience of itch. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. Sorry it was so short. And you learned something new. I've cited all my relevant sources and papers in the show notes, and you should keep an eye out on Instagram for some cool figures that I think are pertinent. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, queries, or complaints, please email me at neuroscienceamateurhour at gmail.com or DM me at Neuroscience Amateur Hour on Instagram. This podcast is available on pretty much any platform I can think of, so please recommend it to your friends and loved ones. Also, if you have something you really want to learn about, please contact me, and you'll probably see an episode about it soon.
Happy researching, and I hope to see you again.